0: the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code Kara for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. I am
1: unwilling to give up.
0: We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I am so thrilled to have my next guest here. I'm such a fan. Uh, We have Lauren Godfrey here, who is the founder of Harwell Godfrey. And if you do not know what Harwell Godfrey is, is, then you have been living under a rock because it is one of the hottest, hottest, beautiful, stunning jewelry brands around. So Lauren has taken an idea that she was passionate about and turned it into not only a reality, but a fledging business. And each Harwell-Godfrey piece is designed with healing energy in mind. Each gemstone is thoughtfully selected to enhance the wearer's experience, from literal references to the four elements, to figurative references to block printing and weaving in cultures from long ago. The collection brings a sense of history to modern-day precious heirlooms that everybody wants to ask you about and talk to you about the story. So no detail is left unfinished in these, with most pieces even featuring delicate engravings in them. Lauren was actually in Mexico, I believe, recently, and I saw she had this amazing little tequila uh, bottle, beautiful, beautiful necklace that I was eyeing. And it's just every one of her pieces tell these stories and are just incredible. So she was drawn to the tactical nature of jewelry design, uh, but she didn't come from this industry. So we're going to get into that, what she was doing before. I should just stop talking without further ado and let (laughs) you do all all of the talking but welcome Lauren. Hi, thank you
1: so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you about all this and uh especially the healing nature of tequila.
0: Yes, the <laughs> healing nature of tequila exactly. So, is there <laughs> uh, is there a specific brand on that tequila bottle or on that necklace I couldn't see?
1: No, so it's actually it's three pieces. It's a three charm set and it's um an agave medallion. So it's like a, I, I drew an agave and actually drew hearts into the agave because the, the three charm set is called tequila lovers. And I'm a tequila lover. Um, the next one is a lime medallion. That's really sweet. It has like little Peridot, um, lime wedges in there and and there's Savarite on the side. And it's this just little sweet little lime wedge representation. And then the last one, which is kind of my favorite charm is a diamond filled 18 karat gold salt shaker. <laughs> so, so and awesome. it's actually got rock crystal sides so you can see through it and see the diamonds inside.
0: That's amazing. So if, if somebody yeah. wanted a strawberry added to that or uh something else, you could they probably could do it. You could do that as well. I love I it. I do
1: custom work. I do custom work. Yeah.
0: I love it. That is sure. so great. So how would you describe, I gave a little bit of a description, but how would you describe sure. Harwell Godfrey to somebody who is not familiar with it?
1: You know, I use words like colorful and maximalist and geometric to describe the brand. I mean, it's fine jewelry. And I think, you know, what's exciting about it is I came at it from a pretty naive standpoint. And I I started just making things that I wanted to wear. Mm -hmm. And so I like color. I like bold statement jewelry. I like things that are, you know, just kind of interesting. So that that's how i would describe it i think it's it's kind of not for the faint of heart
0: well it's uh absolutely beautiful beautiful pieces and in all of the fashion magazines as well as all over social media you see your brand so you must be really proud to think you know I am. back in the days when you were just starting and and trying to get it out there and today being able to see how far you've come
1: Yeah, thank you. I I am. It's, you know, it's in the scope of the jewelry world, I guess it's happened relatively quickly. It's been a bit over five years, just over five. Um, But it is interesting because I started making really small things because that's what I could afford to make and then put money back into business and was able to grow and scale to make the bigger kind of statement pieces that I get really excited about.
0: I love that. So I understand that you had a career outside of jewelry. You weren't doing this from, you know, the get go. What were you doing prior to this?
1: Um a f- couple things I actually started my professional life in advertising, so when I went to college, I studied advertising design with an emphasis in art direction, so it was a very specific degree um, and I graduated from University of San Francisco in cooperation with the Academy of Art College. so I like jumped from that into an internship in advertising from that internship into my first you know job out of college um, and I started as you know, somebody who was running around making GIF animations and helping the art directors get their ideas onto the computer. Cause a lot of the art directors at that time when I started and I'm dating myself didn't really know how to use computers, which is kind of funny if you think about it. But that was my job. And then I graduated from that to becoming an art director and then a creative director and worked doing those things, um, for 15 years. And create a lot of ad campaigns, TV commercials, print ads, and did shoots all over the world and had a really amazing time and learned a
0: lot. So, how did you, how often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app. No matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn. Quicker and easier than you ever imagined to Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to ten minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. Thinking about what's for dinner, but you haven't had a minute to even think about it before now? Well, let's not make that mistake again. I have a tip for you. Factor. Stress-free, delicious, ready-to-eat meals, just perfect for spring and summer yumminess. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready-to-eat in just two minutes or less. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options. Keto, vegan, veggie, or calorie-smart? Factor has you covered. Discover more than 60 add-ons every week too, like breakfast and on-the-go lunch choices. Snacks and beverages now too. Stay fueled and feel good all day long with whatever they are creating over at Factor for you. And the best part? Each meal is ready to eat in just two minutes or less. And who wouldn't want that? Factor is your solution for fast premium meals without the need for cooking. Get started today and fuel up for your spring and summer goals. What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com golden50 and use code golden50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code golden50 at factormeals.com golden50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. That's code golden50 at factormeals.com slash golden50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Take this jump then. Was there an inspiration? Did you see somebody else? Obviously, this was an idea that you had that you didn't see being accomplished out there and, and produced out there. But I mean, to make that leap, it takes a lot of confidence. And I think even if you're the most confident person in the world to actually go back to the drawing board and redo your career and start something that is uh, a little bit unique and different takes a lot. So how did you get the confidence to be able to do that?
1: Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to complicate this a little bit further and, and tell you that my, actually my first leap from advertising was into the culinary world. So I actually left the advertising industry and went to culinary school. And my plan was to be kind of, I was thinking about like, what would a culinary art director look like? You know, working on cookbooks, food styling, doing that sort of stuff. Um, and I dipped my toe into it and my toe didn't stay there for very long. Cause I realized I didn't, I didn't come into it with a really clear point of view that was different or unique. And there were already a lot of people doing the things that I wanted to do. So breaking through was really hard. And I got frustrated and I actually started making jewelry for fun for myself as a way to kind of soothe my soul a little bit after this sort of miss of culinary school and it not turning out to, to be this career leap that I'd hoped it could be. Um, but yes, it does take confidence. You know, I am lucky. I've been with my husband for a very long time and he's always been supportive of my ideas and he, he knows I'm a very creative person and that can manifest in many different ways you know, advertising, I think, ended for me because I was just no longer finding a lot of creative joy in it. I think I just kind of got burnt out and felt like I had expressed myself in that industry. And I had other things I wanted to try. So, you know, I was able to do it with the safety net of a husband who was supportive and and provided for the family while I was figuring out what I wanted to do.
0: So how have you gotten the word out about Harwell Godfrey? So you I mean, take me back to those early days, I guess, first when you started creating your first pieces.
1: Yeah. You know, something I have to say that I think was really important about being confident to make the jump into jewelry, because it's an expensive industry. Materials are expensive. You have to kind of have some, you do have to have confidence going into it. One of my best friends, a a woman named Randy Malofsky, had a a fine jewelry showroom. It's called For Future Reference. And I immediately went to her and her partner at the time and said, Hey, I'm thinking about wanting to make fine jewelry. Can I join your showroom? And can you help me figure this out? And they said, don't do it. <laughs> that was their first advice. Um, but they ended up taking me on. And so they really mentored me in terms of production, how to price the collection, how to do things that you know, it, it they, the jewelry was my idea, but they could see something and say, "Hey, have you seen this thing over here that could kind of look like that?" And they really helped to steer me and focus me and teach me. Like, here are the brands you you know should be aware of. You need to know what's going on here. You need to like be able to you know have a very focused, unique voice. Um, which, luckily, coming from the world of advertising, that's another that's a discipline that I'd been trained in for fifteen years. So. Figuring out a voice and how to have a brand wasn't new to me, but doing it in the world of jewelry was. So I was very lucky to have those women who you know really showed me the ropes.
0: So you created your your jewelry at this. Where was the first place that you sold it?
1: The first place that I sold it. That is a really good question. I'm trying to remember. I mean, I sold stuff. My friends were so supportive. I actually sold my friends. I think were were the first people I sold to, and. I, Bless them because they you know, gave me a lot of confidence to keep going and the fact that they liked it. Um, we, so, we do a fine jewelry trade show every year called The Couture Show, and that's where a lot of buyers and editors come in. So, buyers mm-hmm. from the different you know, wholesalers. And I just remember one of the first stores that picked me up that I was so excited about because it, it to me was a signal that I'd made it is a store called Twist in Portland. Um, and Paul and Lauren who run it are just really supportive of their designers. And I'd had my eye on them. And I was like, if twist picks it up, I'm, you know, I'd be so like, that was the one, that was the store I wanted. And when they did it, I felt like that was just like, kind of really got the ball rolling because they're very respected in the industry.
0: I think that that's a great example of you, you had a goal, right? And I always tell people that you have a goal and then, but you're continuing to work And in case, you know, you hope you don't sit there and stay complacent for that goal to happen, right? You're figuring out how do I actually make that goal happen? But then when it did happen, you keep having new goals, right? You're not done and you keep moving it. Um, But I think that that's just such a great example. So at that point, and then you were selling online as well from from the beginning. Yes. So I love that. You know,
1: at at the very beginning yeah i was i was doing a little bit online i actually started selling more online when the pandemic started because you know no one was sure where their revenue was going to be coming from we didn't know that jewelry would actually end up being a success during the pandemic no one had any idea sure. so that's when i really started pushing um my own online sales cuz i needed to be able to support the business and just had to do what i could
0: yeah well and i think that diversifying uh you know, how dependent and reliant you are is uh, a story of the pandemic for so many businesses. If you weren't online um, prior to the pandemic, it's like, you know, you need to be able to have somebody and you need to be able to have your own online store too. And our business hint, people have always been curious why we still sell through Amazon and still sell through retailers. Mm -hmm. And the simple answer is that the consumer controls where they buy. Right. And if you're not available where a consumer wants to be shopping from, then they'll move on to somebody else who is uh, maybe not as great of a product as yours. But they just if it's hard and you're not making it convenient for somebody to actually find your product, then that's, you know, what the answer is. But uh, so what have you enjoyed most about being an entrepreneur?
1: You know, I think just problem solving. I think I'm a problem solver by nature. I think that's another thing that advertising taught me. And it's funny, I was talking to a friend from that industry the other day, and I was like, I still give myself briefs, which is basically like saying, you know, for me, I, I released a collection of animal jewelry last year. And my brief to myself at that point was like, hey, you've not done anything like animal jewelry. What would it look like if Harwell Godfrey made animal, you know, motifs in jewelry? And so that was my brief. And that's a problem that I set out to solve because I was like, I don't know what that's going to look like yet, but let's figure it out. So that's been really fun—is just being able to set my own problems, Um, and I think also just the the satisfaction of being the one who sets the tone, creates you know created an idea, and and seeing it flourish. There's something just exceptionally satisfying about that that I'd never experienced before. I love that part of being an entrepreneur. And I guess just getting to really truly have my own voice is a wonderful thing. I I did so much work for so many brands over so many years, and it was me always trying to figure out their voice and help them develop a voice. And so now I get to, you know, figure out my own voice, which is great.
0: What happened when you launched your company? Obviously, you've been supporting a lot of other companies. Did you ever feel Uh, Or was there a moment when you felt, I should say, that, gosh, nobody ever told me this about entrepreneurship, in addition to getting no's from retailers and all of the things Mm -hmm. that you have to do as an entrepreneur? Was there anything that sort of caught you off guard, surprised you? Obviously, you got through it, but you just didn't really realize that that's all part of the package.
1: I mean, I'm still surprised every day. (laughs) Every day is a new surprise. And to me, you know, I guess the surprise is I, I didn't know that by flourishing and doing well, that would bring in so many more complications. You know, mm-hmm. it, I think the more that I grow, and I'm still very small, I, I really have two full time employees and a lot of contractors that I work with. Um, you know, to me, the the more success we have and the more money coming in, the more problem. You know, it's mo- more money, more problems. So it's like it's I am just seeing, you know, a lot of things coming down the pipe where I didn't realize that growth would actually. Inhibit being able to like pay myself because I'm having to pay in advance for all these new pieces that I'm making because I'm growing and I have so much more demand. So I'm laying out cash first and having to wait for that cash to come back once people pay me, you know, after our terms are, you know, are met. And so By growing, I'm actually more cash poor than I ever have been. So it's just fascinating, you know, and I I know it's all leading to a really good end and I'm grateful because I am actually a profitable business and I'm able to handle paying for growth, but it's, I just never thought about growth being um, an issue.
0: Yeah, well, and also as you start to grow, I mean, running Hint for the past 17 years, I learned this too. There's just different vehicles for ways to finance things that uh, initially mm-hmm. I used American Express and luckily I had good credit, you know, and so I was maxing out yeah. my credit cards uh, and I think that's a story for many, many entrepreneurs, but at some point it's uh you don't necessarily want to do that and uh, you want to be able to figure out other ways to do it so definitely it's uh you've also got to do the research to figure that out or run into an entrepreneur that has been through the same kind of things and yeah. all of those ideas do you have any words of advice for others who want to start a company i mean it's a daunting task it's uh definitely in your journey as i said you're you hear a lot of no's you're there are spikes that go on in starting your own company that are not necessarily uh there when you're doing projects for a big company you've got sort of this um you know shelter behind you maybe you've got hard days but it I almost think of you know working for a large company I felt like there were waves where things were stressful but with entrepreneurship you wake up and you think okay everything's great and then that store drops you or, you know, or, or it closes, yeah. right? Or the pandemic. And and yeah. so there are these yeah. massive spikes that I think are hard and you're trying to have a life and a family and all of these things that go on. And you're just like, oh my God, or your, your first employee quits or, um, you know, whatever it happens. Yeah. I mean, big, big spikes. I'd love to kind of, you know, hear from you, like what advice you would have to people uh, who are thinking about starting given all of this.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I was going to say, I don't think I've woken up in a long time and gone, everything's great. It's like, there's always something. I guess my advice would be to surround yourself with really good people. I think, you know, we can't be everything. I don't think one person can be every single thing. And so, you know, my experience is in jewelry. But like I said, I actually started out with a showroom because I knew that there there was expertise that I needed. I brought expertise to this, but I had, you know, gaps. So finding those people that you can trust and surround yourself with, who can add to that, I think is smart because otherwise you're having to, you know, do research on every single aspect of the thing. Or maybe there's a way to like have people, you know, advising you. I think strong advisors are a really big deal, and finding a good mentor too. I think you know if there's an, if you're entering an industry that you don't know that well, I sought out people to mentor me, and I think having those relationships is really smart. And I have new people that have come in and have been great mentors um, because as I grow in this, my needs are changing. So now I feel like I have a, a handle on making the jewelry, but now it's more about like business mentorship. And mm-hmm. that's what I need because I'm a creative at heart. Business is the thing that I'm truly learning here. If I if I really think about it, that's where my growth is really happening as a person. So finding people who can help me in that in that way has been really important. And I think you know, again, filling in your own gaps. Sometimes people start a business because they're great at business, but maybe they need help somewhere else.
0: Yeah. No, I think that that's really smart. It, it humbles you. I think we're capable of being able to learn a lot of things, but it it's really boils down to, are you interested in learning those things? And is your yeah. time better spent in other places? But having said that, I think being able to understand uh what those roles are i always tell people that if you're a creative for example and you don't understand how to read a business plan or you don't understand margins or something that is so vital then you know you're going to run into problems with your company down the road at some point because you're going to trust that somebody's handling things and you're not going to be able to see where the problems are if you're getting taken in some way. So I think it's there are yeah. so many things that you learn being able to start it from scratch that I think are are really, really important lessons. So as we mentioned, it's a super challenging thing to be able to start a company with these highs and lows. Have there been any challenges where you thought, oh, this is a biggie. This is a I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but obviously you did. But what was kind of the lessons learned from that challenge and what was the challenge?
1: Yeah, for me you know, I'm making a product, and so I ran into in the beginning some issues with like just getting the product made to the standards that I wanted, and with with opacity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I feel like or transparency, I should say, actually, opacity was the issue. Um, I was going into production not knowing a lot about production and hitting some walls, and and being like, okay, I'm making these things, but I'm actually not really happy with how they're being made. So do I need to start that from scratch? And it felt like if I have to start that completely over, how do I keep moving forward as a business? And I think in jewelry, that can be kind of a common problem. So I'm a designer. I'm not a a bench jeweler. Someone who sits and makes the jewelry on the bench themselves. Designers have other people that make the jewelry for them just to add some context around this. So for me, it was finding those people who could make the jewelry and have it really match my vision um, and I was kind of going far down a road with some people that it just wasn't matching. And I was very lucky to actually find um, a production team who consult with me and helped me get things to where they needed to be. But that was a really big problem. I, I hit that wall where I was like, I don't know if I can keep doing this because it's about a product and I'm not happy with the product. That had to be corrected very quickly and it was it was pretty nerve-wracking because when you're making things in gold and you don't like them that's an expensive problem.
0: Were you nervous about switching then? On the one hand you were getting some product produced, but I think a lot of people regret like not doing it sooner. Like that they really started seeing these problems and then, you know, it starts to spiral even worse than it's like the old saying that you know, when you see a problem, it's actually much worse than you even are able to actually see. Was there anything like that? Yeah.
1: You know, I think I did it pretty early on. Thankfully, you know, I, again, from a design standpoint, know what I like and I have standards. So I knew that there was a problem and I was able to switch out of it, but it's always nerve wracking to switch because then what if the next person also isn't the right fit? So luckily I was able to come up to speed pretty quickly and find somebody whose work I really liked, but that was, that was concerning.
0: Yeah, definitely. So was there somebody, you talked about mentorship, was there anybody that had sort of been in your shoes before that you really thought, okay, I'm going to reach out to them and maybe they mentored you or maybe somebody that really inspired you. We had uh, somebody on the podcast who was talking about SG Lauder recently and how, you Mm -hmm. know, They never got a chance to meet them, but they sort of like knew everything about them. For me, I I think Steve Jobs was always somebody that was uh, at a very early age. Um, I just greatly admired his vision and his ability to actually tell the story and tell the why. I'm curious if there was anybody like that, that you just really, you weren't doing exactly what they were doing, but somebody that you really thought was kind of inspiring to you.
1: I'm trying to think because I've had so many people touch me in different ways in this journey. I'm trying to think of like the one person to identify. You know, again, I joined this showroom early on and there were other designers in the showroom who'd been in the showroom longer than I had. And I really looked up to those designers and some of them were more open than others about, you know, sharing wisdom and information. But I am grateful to the ones who did because it can be a competitive industry and people can want to sort of cannot want to give you help or a leg up. But then I also found so many in the people in the industry who do. So it's, it's, I guess it's like any industry, they're, they're helpful people. People are like, yeah. keep everything very close to their chest. There are also local jewelry stores in the Bay Area that really inspired me. I'm in a store called Metier in San Francisco, and I really admire Kind of their curation Fiat Lux is another one locally that's a jewelry it. store that I really they're great right yeah. and I feel like those women inspired me because I saw what they were carrying and and you know how they were putting the work out and I really looked a lot to them to, to kind of help inform it I you know before I was even making jewelry, I just show up at their stores and check things out and you know that was certainly a big inspiration.
0: I love it. So the best advice you ever received along the way. The best advice, goodness! Oh my gosh, these are hard questions. Um, I think the best
1: advice, and I keep getting this advice, is just keeping your voice. You know that Harwell Godfrey has a voice. Keep finding that voice, and and that's who you want to be. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, it's just that design language. It's that thing, and keeping true to that, I think, has been something that from the very beginning, people who saw the work were like, "I see something in this. I see something different in this. That's what you need to do." keep going in this vein and this thing that makes you different. So I think that's been part of why this has been successful is because people can look at my jewelry and know it's me without my name being next to it. And I think that's been something that I'm proud of and that I I do keep kind of going back to.
0: I love that answer. That's so great. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for sharing sure. a little bit about your brand and the wisdom everyone needs to check it out if they haven't already. Uh, Harwell, Godfrey, uh, we'll have everything in the show notes how to follow you and see all of your newest inspiring pieces and also the website and where people can purchase it, et cetera. So anyway, thank you again, Lauren. Have a terrific rest thank of the week. Thank you so much, Kara.